0: Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. Right, um, yeah, hey everyone, Uh, Andy and Dave from Evertrek. HQ, uh, another Tuesday tune-in with a little bit different this today, Dave, isn't it?
1: It is a little bit different.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we're on the sofa <laughs> again. We're, we're, we're sat together, which is the, bit, which is the biggest difference. But, yeah, um, it is yeah. weird. And Fee,
2: Hello, Fee, Hello. Finally, This is the
0: first time we've been on here since your uh, little intro.
2: Since my intro, yeah. Yeah, uh, nice to be And back. we
0: also have some special guests today, aren't we? We do. Um, we've got Kevin and Dominic all the way from Breckham Mountain Rescue um, who have joined us today. Uh, so say, say hello, guys. Hi guys!
3: <laughs> thanks, thanks for having us. You're
4: very
0: welcome. No, I agree, stuff. I just like to see some human beings. <laughs> it's been ages, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so it's, uh, just let you uh, let you guys know a little bit about today. So uh, we're going to be talking about charity today, um, which is why Fee's with us because she is our although she's our bimbling Yeti, she's also our charity Yeti. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we uh, wanted to announce um, sort of a little bit. of... a Partnership with, um, you know, our sort of charity partner of the year with Brecon Mountain Rescue. Um, and also as well answer, you know, any sort of FAQs around, uh, charity and fundraising, um, you know, things like that. And especially with the guys as well, um, the gents are going to be answering some questions, um, just around bits and bobs around experience and the mountain journey over the last couple of years. Um, and then we'll, we'll also answer the, you know, the usual, uh, you know, Tuesday tuning questions as well. So hopefully, you know, between forty-five minutes to an hour today. Um, yeah, quite a quite exciting day. Yes, it? Awesome, yeah, <laughs> it feels like it feels weird. It feels like a proper little TV show today. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, where should we start then? Um, I know we talked before about what we've what we've already been doing. Should we talk about that? Yeah. So obviously,
1: we've we've raised we've raised quite a lot of awareness and sort of tried to be a driving force. I like to think we are a driving force for change mm. when it comes to yeah. you know the way. We trek in the mountains. Um, so what we did last year, um, I believe we were the first, and I'm not saying we we, we were the first company in the UK providing treks to Everest Base Camp in the Himalaya to actually do away with, um, plastic bottles and any type of single use plastics and things like that. You'll notice it's been in the news recently that they find uh, microplastics on the summit of Everest. Well, um, they're not ours. <laughs> that was uh, crazy. We've yeah, taken you know. all our microplastics down with us. Um, yeah, we introduced the, the the water filter and purification system, so all of our water now comes from natural sources and it's um, passed through a purifying filter um, that we use. You know, repeatedly, it, like one filter can do the whole group for the whole time, and then when it's done, they get recycled, and as no plastic <laughs> left on the mountain. Um, and we've we rolled that out now in um, Tanzania as well in February. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really, really proud of that. But it's really sort of kick-started us thinking about, you know, well, what more can we do?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, because it is
1: something that we've become very passionate about, I think, as a company and collectively, as uh, especially since Fee's joined and yeah. Lauren's joined. You know, they've um,
0: given us a kick up the arse, I think. They? <laughs> <laughs> they certainly have. No, it's, yeah, I mean... That was one thing, wasn't it? Especially in, in the Kungu region where there's a lot of people going up there and, you know, the, the plastic reduction was really important to us. And, you know, like you said, in terms of Tanzania, when we did, um, you know, through the Zara Charity and they... So the Zara Charity basically helped the local schools, but they also do a lot of sustainability stuff around sort of planting trees, um, you know, helping the local schools, education, um, you know, things like that. So our partner out there, we're, we're really passionate in supporting them because I think everything that goes out to Tanzania... Fifteen percent of everything really gets dropped down to those those those, those things, um, you know, which is which is huge, really. Yeah, massive. Um, especially with all the customers we take out there. Not now, obviously, because it's COVID. <laughs> but next year, um, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of really cool. And then we've, especially this year when COVID did hit, uh, another big thing for us was supporting our local staff, especially in Nepal. So we did raise um, it was about four thousand seven hundred dollars, which we sent over to Nepal around May time. Um, and that just supported the families, you know, when they, they, they couldn't work because, you know, they had, they had no customers, they had no one to, to serve. Um, and then it brings us back to the UK because although we, you know, we love to help, you know, all the, all the, the countries we operate in, uh, you know, we're from Wales and we're passionate about supporting charities here. And we've yep. worked with Flamai before, um, a homeless charity, which, you know, and fee. Obviously, previous to the work for, <laughs> um, but and, and obviously now we we look at another Welsh charity, which is Brecken Mountain Rescue. Um, you know, which is something we're really uh, looking forward to, to working yeah. to working with. Um, and I suppose then, guys, that brings me on to a little intro to you. So I don't know if you want to uh, maybe take in turn, just who you are, how long you've been with Brecon Mountain Rescue, a little bit about yourselves.
4: Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, I'm Dom. Hi. Um, I've been in Brecken Mountain Rescue for eleven years now. My background is I'm a teacher. I've been teaching in a secondary school in Swansea for 30 years. Um, But I do lots of outdoor work with Duke of Edinburgh groups. And uh, I got involved in mountain rescue, having seen a group of mountain rescue people out in Iceland. I'm thinking, well, I wonder if I could do that at home and got stuck in. Um, I do as much as I possibly can. I'm the treasurer, I'm a deputy team leader, I'm a search party leader. Um, Most of us are CAS carers as well. Um, so we can look after casualties while we're we're out there, but people often ask why I do it, and uh, I, I'm pretty selfish. I do it because I absolutely love being <laughs> with the people out there and, and the buzz you get from it, and going to places perhaps you don't normally go in the Beacons and Mid Wales, um, nice. and at all times of day and night. So it's <laughs> a it's a hugely rewarding thing which uh, I get immense pleasure from as, mm. uh, and continue to do so. Uh, that's most of it,
3: Kev. Nice. Hi, I'm Kev. I've been in the team for 26 years now. Um, my permanent job that paid the mortgage, I work in local government as a sport and leisure officer. i um, now fully retired, so I can uh, dedicate a bit more time to uh, teamwork. Uh, similar to Dom, I joined the team basically uh, just to put back something in, into... Um, into the system, you know, mm-hmm. I think we got a common interest in the team of all our team members. Uh, they come from a different from walks of life, different occupations, but we all got a love for the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And I think we've this, got this common theme that we like to put something back in to what we already enjoy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As a full team member, I'm also a cars carer, similar to Dom and most of the other teams. I'm a team driver for... Uh, the vehicles on response driving and I spend a lot of the time I coordinate the fundraising for the team as well Hmm. uh, which takes up quite a a, a bit of your your time. (laughs) And In all throughout this conversation no doubt you'll find a bit more about the team it's uh, you need a lot of commitment for the team it does take up a lot of your time. Hmm. Um, One essential um, thing about being a team member is that you've got an understanding family <laughs> um, because without their support, you know, you couldn't fulfil the, the, mm. the task and, uh, that's required. But uh, we do get a lot of satisfaction from being a team member and assisting so many other people in the time of need. So uh, very rewarding, even though you've got to get up all hours of the day and <laughs> all kinds of weather, but uh, the end product, you're, you're helping someone And a lot, if not most of our uh, people we help are sort of life-threatening circumstances, you know, so, yeah. Mm. Awesome. Cheers,
0: guys. Nice. Um, No, it's amazing. Yeah, it's (coughs) nice to obviously meet you guys as well. And I know we we, we talked a little bit, obviously, before about maybe a couple of instances. You've got any any, any ones that stand out? Would you say like, I say not, not like a case study, but almost... You know, something that's occurred that sort of stuck out for you guys over the years. You know, like one one moment anything, that you thought made a or real anything
2: difference? recent that you've been involved yeah. in that you want to
4: tell us. The, the most recent one that was that was really good was we had um, a call out. I was I was the coordinator, so I was yeah, the one yeah. that morning that if the police wanted to call us out, I was the one who reacted to it, yeah, and called the team out. And it was a man with chest pains on Penavan, yeah, right up on the top, and he. We spoke to his fat. I spoke to his daughter. It was the, it was a lovely thing. It was a whole family trip out. So I think there was a, a husband, and wife, three children. Yep. Yeah, they were all out yeah, together. Was... And dad had had was suffering on the on the yeah. mountain, um, and they were obviously worried. So we just wanted to say, well, well, let's get everyone out there. Let's get everyone up onto the hill as quick as we can. Um, and we did. Um, we actually managed to call a helicopter in as well because they were available. But this was about. This was quite early in the morning as well, wasn't it? it was, yeah, it was an early morning one. Yeah, but. Um, we got a doctor up there. They did the, where the helicopter came in. They managed to get uh, the equipment onto him, check him, and they thought maybe he's had a hard, mild heart attack. Yeah, yeah. So they whisked him away in a helicopter to a hospital. But it was more the aftermath that the, the messages we had from the family yeah. were just like, you know, we, to their minds, we saved the man's life. Mm. Um, you know, it might it might be so, it might not, but yeah. it was. We've had lovely messages, and he's now written a song, hasn't he? Oh. wow! <laughs> is he, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. His, his oh, love no, he's is sing music. It, sing away! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his, his love is music, and he just wanted to show his appreciation. But we've had we've had lovely messages from it, and it's oh, things fantastic. like that that you remember. Yeah. Things mm. that are the powerful thing. I mean, our everyday thing is somebody falls and breaks an ankle. Mm. Yeah. Um. And and they can't move. They can't get off the hill. Um. They need to be. You know, have that limb immobilised. Yeah. They need some pain relief. They need to be put on a stretcher and they need to be carried off the hill. That's that's what our bread and butter is. Um But it's and they don't stick out unfortunately because they're so common. But yeah. the ones that stick out are the ones where you have a really good outcome from a difficult situation, <sighs> and and you get a little bit of appreciation. So much you say thank nice, you yeah. because very often yeah, they whisked away in, a, in an ambulance or something. We never hear again. We don't know what happened to them. We don't know how well they've been or whether. Um, but that, that, that's, that's yeah. a recent one, nothing, which you were yeah. saying, it's yeah, yeah. really, yeah, been a really, really nice one. Nice.
3: I think for, from a sort of educational yeah. point of view, it's worth mentioning that mm. um, most incidents or accidents that happen, happen on the hill mm. are lower leg injuries. Right. Whether that's a fracture, whether it's just a sprain or a strain on an ankle, but it's, it's a case where you can't weight bear on your feet. And yeah. um, those sort of injuries are non, not mm. life-threatening. But what is life-threatening is, is the environment mm. that you're in. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, suffering from uh, the, so the effects true. of cold hypothermia. Mm. They are the killers, you know. Yeah. So it, that's a good education uh, message to get over to people. Yeah. Um, the need to wear and take some warm clothing with them, mm-hmm. you know, um, should an incident occur. Whilst you're walking and you're keeping warm, you've only got to sit down for five minutes or so and you're going to get very cold. So um, we deal a lot with non-life-threatening incidents, but they could be life-threatening because of the environment that they're they're in, you know. That's 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 an important message to get over. I mean, we've spent a lot of time and we probably, we probably, a lot of our
1: training and, you know, Brecon has sort of become... Sort of, it's part of the DNA mm-hmm. of Evertrack, really yeah. spending time him. in the bracket, Yeah, Yes, but you, just from our experience, we know yeah. how changeable it can be. Yeah, You know, like we've been on tracks where. We've had probably oh, all absolutely. four seasons, you know, like, <laughs> Within an hour. you know, ten yeah. night, you know <laughs> yeah. like, I can I can pretty much see individuals over in Brecon Town and then sometimes I can hardly see what's in my bag, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so we know how changeable it can be. And I think it is one of those things where like, I, I, I always have your number, <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> you know,
1: just, just in see case,
2: direct, yeah. direct, direct call, it I think it so is I'm...
4: just 999 ask for the police, <laughs> yeah. ask for yes. man in rescue. That, that's, okay. that's the way nice. we get called. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: That's, a, that's a good message, I think, is, to, you know, to let
4: people know how they get hold and of we, it. we our, our mantra is we would always rather be yeah. called and then not actually be needed mm-hmm. than not be called. And then it escalates into, yeah. as Kev said, it escalates into something bigger yeah. um, because they've Absolutely. left it. So, I mean, the number of times you get in your car um, and 10 minutes later, you're back home again because somebody's been missing and then they've suddenly turned up. Right. Um, yeah. But you go out your house and you've no idea whether you'll be back in 10 minutes or 10 hours. Mm. And that's quite weird because you can't plan for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And fitting that around sort of a normal life of working and things is quite, and as Kev says, family life Mm. can be quite challenging at times.
0: Yeah, finding that balance, I bet, isn't it? Because, you know, if you get a call, you know, middle of the night, I suppose, isn't it? You've got to leave your your family, you know, must be like managing that as well as... Mm. Well, everyone's on call
4: all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But because we're volunteers, because we don't get paid for this, it it is you make that decision. So we've got a team of 60, um, and you might get 15, 20 who can come at that time. Yeah. Mm. And if we do have an occasion where, I don't know, if it's a Saturday night and there's a big been a big rugby match on and everyone's had a few drinks, we might <laughs> only get six or seven. Yeah. But we can then, in that situation, yeah. call on another team to come and support us. And they yeah. do likewise. Nice. Or if yeah. there's something which has got a very difficult extraction yeah. where you need huge numbers of bodies because you can't carry a stretcher, you've got to pass it along a line, you very often need lots and lots of people. Yeah. So we, we've... Because there's four teams in South Wales, we yeah. can, we can call on others as well if we yeah, need that's to. Fantastic. Okay. That's
1: awesome. Um, yeah. we're getting some questions in there as well. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, I was just going
0: through the comments.
1: Yeah. So Joel time. Palmer has asked a question for you guys. Uh, what's the most awkward extraction? Um, <laughs> oh. Like on the edge of a ridge or a difficult situation where you've had to use a helicopter or maybe you can't get a helicopter there. Mm-hmm. Any particular incidences or scenarios that you can think of that where you'd be like, Oh, don't get stuck there.
3: <laughs> you know. I think we've had quite a number of incidents that fall into that category. You know, yeah. uh, especially where in in, in gorges, etc., oh, yeah. where people have incidents. Uh, they've fallen over a waterfall, for example, oh, yeah. and they've got to be extracted mm. from there, middle yeah. of the river. Um, and the extraction from gorges is, is very difficult. Yeah. Um, we got excellent support services from the Maritime Coast Guard helicopter and normally that involves winching in extreme conditions um, generally from the middle of the rivers there or middle of gorges. Mm. Yeah. You know, if there's an open canopy for them to do it. Wow. Um, but then they can the demonstrate the skills or, of the, the pilot and the winchman in doing that is tremendous. Mm. Um, because the difficulty is if we can't get a helicopter in to assist with the evacuation there, like Don just previously mentioned, yeah. it's a stretcher by evacuation.
0: Okay.
3: And, um, one question I always put to people whilst we're doing talks, etc., cetera, uh, is that evacuation by stretcher. And I always ask the question, how many people does it take to carry a stretcher? And you normally get answers of, or oh, maybe six, four, okay, six, yeah. maybe eight. Uh, and that's because in people's minds, they're looking at seeing people carrying stretchers, say from a rugby field, yeah. where they've got a short, uh, short grass or a flat surface. When we're working in the gorges, we can't carry a stretcher, but we've got to do a hand-over-hand movement. And that wow. could take 30, if not 40 oh, people wow. for really? one stretcher wow. to evacu- evacuate yeah. one person, you wow. know. So those are the challenges that we face on in, in sort of gorge working, you know. Yeah. It's, it's,
4: not it's, even, it's not even the distance. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You might have an extraction which is 400 metres, which takes three hours, or you might have an extraction that's five miles that takes three hours. Mm. It's all about the terrain you've got to cross. Yeah, yeah. Um, and mm. I mean, I, I don't know what people think of when they think of a stretcher. I, I know when I went into the team, I thought of, I'd seen Second World War movies and you have yeah, nice yeah. Canv- two poles exactly. with a big canvas that's in the the thing, from front, of front it, and back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But our stretchers are sophisticated metal structures yeah. um, where people are strapped into them, usually in... You know, they're immobilised if yeah. they've got some sort of injury, so they're in a vacuum mattress. They're usually in a big CAS bag, which is like a giant woolly sleeping bag. Yeah. Um, they might have a neck brace on. Um, we might, might need to have a bit open to, to, to investigate an injury. Um, and it's, we might have to stop every once in a while to check the, yeah. if it's an ankle injury, particularly. Mm-hmm. Have they still got a pedal pulses? there still blood getting to that foot? Yeah. Um, and it, it's all these things take, so it can take forever and you, if you think of an extraction if you think about some of the gorge paths you walk yeah. they're all roots, and they're all up and down and they're over little narrow bridges yeah. and that takes it can take you 10 minutes to go 5 metres sometimes um, and you're also going to be very careful of managing the the rescuers because mm. sometimes you're on a path where you can't get past the stretcher to get round to help because there's a big drop to your side so it's, yeah. it's all but very careful I mean we always have someone called an on-scene commander, and their job is not to get involved, is to manage the situation yeah. and manage the people yeah. so that everybody is safe, so that the rope systems are put in place to make sure everybody's safe, um, and that throughout the whole situation, until everybody is back at the control vehicle, that we maintain safety for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And our, our mantra, What's isn't it, it is not its self Team, yeah. casualty. You've got to cast after, because right. yeah. someone's mentioned yeah. that,
0: like, what about you guys, you
4: know? Yeah. <laughs> We've ourselves. to right, right.
0: right? I know, know you've yeah. obviously experienced, you've been out the mountains loads, but that must come into it as well. And,
4: and we, we always say to team members, if you're not comfortable in a situation, yeah. don't do it. Yeah. Just don't. We don't want, yeah. we don't want team members. There's no macho, gung-ho attitude. It, it's yeah. all about safety. And, and if we need to take time, and sometimes <laughs> it's quite difficult, you get to a casualty site, you can see the casualty, and you have to say, we're not going down there yet. Yeah. Uh, we're going to make sure this system is safe, this, what we have put in place is safe for the people who are there, and then we'll get we we'll get to the casualty. I mean, we'll talk to the casualty, we'll maintain, like, voice contact yeah, and eye contact, yeah. but we can't always go straight down to them. We'll go We've got to be safe first. Yeah, yes, um, absolutely.
0: Good question, actually. Sinead, um, okay. she's been to Everest Base Camp with us, um, and she's got a really good question. Are you finding an over-reliance on tech for navigation? Is that, is that
4: coming to play a lot? I saw the casualties? Sorry, the, with,
0: the, with the casualties, yeah. People <laughs> yeah. are generally relying on tech more these days do you you see that or you know which is causing potentially more issues
3: yeah i i I think so um obviously the over the years we've seen a vast increase of people you know with an interest in outdoors which is really good Yeah. yeah um but when you start reading some of their blogs and social media it's obvious that um they have not any training or experience on map and compass work or navigation mm, in yeah, general, because yeah. w- you can read that with the questions that they pose in on there, you know. Yeah. Um, mm. So <clears throat> I think there are more people that are using uh, yeah. technology now for for navigation. Mm. Uh, the message we try to put over on a, on any orga- organization really is that um, first and foremost they should have that necessary basic. That training in map and compass work, because mm. you always need that to fall yeah. back on. Your, your phones could go down. You could yeah. lose your phone. Exactly, you may not yeah. have a signal there. Yeah. So it's 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 tech, technology is a great advancement. It's a great advancement mm. for us for locating people as well. Yeah, yeah. But you need this basic knowledge of map yeah. and compass work uh, yeah, to a- be able to get you uh, <laughs> yeah. out of some. Mm, the situations. Well, exactly.
1: The winter training skills that we, that we do and provide with um, a guy called Steve up in North Wales. Yeah. And he's very much, um, he has that um, belief there that a lot of the technology and the stuff that people use is great. It's getting people out there. And mm. it's actually, mm. it, you know, it probably has helped more people than it's hindered in terms of, well, they can just get a map and find their way quite yeah, easily. Yeah. However, having that backup of knowing how to, you know, a map on not have a battery, a compass won't sort of let you down. Mm. Um, so he teaches that, and we went through that, didn't we? And used yeah, and really yeah, it and practiced with navigation. It's for it. And it's it's kind of comforting to know you can do it. You know, like I don't think I've ever taken the map out of my bag, really, just around Brecon. But having it there is is nice because I think, well, you know, if something was to happen, if the weather comes in, if you get turned around yeah. and injure yourself and mm-hmm. become disorientated, you can just sort of knowing how to you know set a map want. and you know, even just the basics can get you out of trouble. So you know which direction you're heading, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. There's,
4: there's two parts yeah. to it I mean, there is that side of that people rely on their phones and they're mapping on their phones and we yeah. see people who've got who've ripped a page at a trail magazine and are following the guide on that okay, and yeah. that's just got yeah. a page map and they get soggy and they can't find their way mm. yeah. but the flip side of that is that the technology often helps us get them out of there Kev sort of touched on it things like mm. what three words yeah. have oh, yeah, changed yeah. have revolutionised mountain rescue in that most people who go out in the hills have got these sorts of apps and our tradition, what used to be hours and hours searching for someone where they said, I'm on the side of a hill, I can see a, a reservoir in the distance right, and I've right. no idea where they've gone. Yeah, yeah. Those have gone. We don't have many of those searched anymore because people can tell us where they are. And we have we have a system mm-hmm. as the, co- the coordinators that if they have a phone and it's live, we can ping that phone through the police.
0: Yeah.
4: And it, even if they don't know where they are, we can very quickly locate where they yeah. are. And it, it means so much more of our work is all right, we're out much more than we used to be, but it's going straight to a casualty, getting a hasty yeah. party there yeah. to assess them and get them out. Okay. And, and that the search element has dropped. If, I mean, if somebody's got dementia, yeah. or if it's at night and they're lost and their phone is dead, then we do a traditional search. Mm. But mm. that's less, less our work now, isn't yeah. it? And much more. So our call tend to be a bit quicker. Yeah. Um, because we haven't got that. Well, where on earth are they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's easiest location. You so you've mentioned that what three
1: words? We've seen it on TV. Tell us a little bit about the what three words? Because just mm. in case people don't know I think it's a very helpful know. app, right, on the phone. That... Yeah,
4: it's, yeah. It's, it's an app you download, and it it basically gives you a ten meter, ten by ten meter. No, no it's three
3: by three, three by three, three. Oh, really? Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Where you stood. Yeah. Anywhere in the world. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
3: I mean, Which we, is amazing, and yeah. you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. trying to get your head around that—that that every three meter square in the world has got three exclusive words That's to a it. A lot of data. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can't get my head around it, but it's true.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the only downside—the only downside—is downside if it, yeah. they don't get the spelling right, and they send it in, you could be. We've had one in the Irish Sea.
3: Right. <laughs> okay. okay. We've yes. had one You're in like-
4: Malaysia. Yeah. Um, where, and it was just because of miss. I mean, basically, right. it's, yeah. it's three words with no spaces and a dot between them. Yeah. Um. And if we get that, we again our software now, right. we plug that into our software, and it tells us exactly where they 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 or yeah. where it was last pinged. We did have a call out last year for an ex-soldier, didn't we? Yeah. And and because where he'd been, they'd walked into a valley, yeah. and he'd had an epileptic fit. In fact, he had several, didn't he? It was in it a really really oh, wow. bad state. Mm. Um. But because the last location that the phone had signal, yeah. it sent us that. So we actually right. finished up that, the okay. wrong side of a hill and then had to, ret- when we got more information, actually, well, he's not there. Yeah, yeah. He's actually on the other side of the hill. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. I, th- I think generally we would yeah. um, we would prefer to have a, um, an OS uh, grid reference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to work on uh, set, a yeah. nice little app to have is OS Locate, yeah. Yeah. that's mm-hmm. Ordnance Survey Locate mm-hmm. um, by just a press of a button that will give you a six uh, 6 figure grid reference. Okay. And um, that's, you know, that's I think more re- reliable than trying to spell mm. these words correctly, yeah. which can be yeah. some of them very long words. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, Sinead's
0: yeah. come up now. She's like, she mentioned OS locate and um, was like, yeah, this, uh, the grid reference would be better for you guys, obviously. Yeah. Okay, Sinead's on it today. She is on, <laughs> it, <laughs> it, now. on it today. I know. Fair news. Something that sprung to my mind as well, because I know we've talked about a lot of the the actual stuff you're doing, but obviously as a charity, there must be some challenges at the moment. From, Particularly you know,
2: at the moment. I know yeah. that a lot of charities are obviously suffering with um, traditional forms of fundraising, event yeah. fundraising, people running marathons, people doing all that kind of stuff is kind of ground to a halt so yeah have you been impacted alongside the yeah. kind of rest of the charity well, sector that, I yeah. suppose yeah the fundraising yeah, uh, certainly <laughs> since
3: um, the Covid situation came in all our fundraising activities this year uh, have had Stopped. to be cancelled yeah. so anything that was pre-planned there so we've lost all the income from that um, this year mm. uh, so fingers crossed next year we can get back Yeah. you know absolutely. Uh, so it's got an effect on us it's got an effect on all other charities yeah. you know um, and fundraising, of course, is, is, is an essential factor of the team. Of course, um, yeah. Because whilst we're all happy to give out time quite freely and willingly, yeah. uh, we need the resources to do that and we need the money to get those resources for our vehicles, equipment, etc. You know? yeah. uh, so fundraising does play a part. We are a registered charity and the majority of our income all comes from mainly public donations. Mm. We do a lot of fundraising ourselves because yeah. uh, we do need to raise £55,000 a year, which it costs to run the team. Mm. Yeah. So the team gets involved with that, every team member nice. in its ways. But there's only so much mm. we can do ourselves because we're so committed to call-outs all our other training. Of course. Yeah. So fortunately... We get a, we've got a lot of supporters out there which assist us with fundraising, such mm-hmm. as you were doing yeah. now. Well, uh, exactly. Well,
2: we're we we're, we're
3: Really appreciate when somebody comes on to us and says, you know, we'd, yeah. le- we'd like to nominate you as a yeah. charity of the year. It's yeah. a real bonus for us, you know, because there's someone working on our behalf to raise these essential funds. And uh, yeah, can't thank you enough, really. Oh, brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's free yes. to get involved So Yeah, it? yeah know, I think, a, you know, from is, our
2: point we'll of view, we're, we're going to be making a donation for every trek yep. that's booked. So, yep. um, anyone watching who hasn't booked a trek yet or who wants to think about booking a trek for every trek that gets booked, um, we'll be making a donation to Brecken Mountain Rescue, um, yep. as our charity of the year for the next, for the next year and possibly longer. Um, yep. and also we're hoping to encourage people to do some fundraising, um, on your behalf as well. So we know that there's lots of good charities out there and we know that there's lots of people who've got causes really close to their hearts. So if people want to fundraise for um, different charities, that, that's, you know, that's great. That's absolutely brilliant. And we'll help to support you with that as much as we can. But if anyone's sort of sitting there thinking, I'd love to support a charity and I don't know which one, then, you know, Brecon Mountain Rescue exactly. is, is a great one. And we'd we'd love it if people <clears throat> um, wanted to choose Brecon Mountain Rescue to support as well. Um, and yeah, we're going to be here to give a bit of advice and support for anyone who is looking to do any fundraising for any charity, really.
0: Comes on to our next point, doesn't it?
2: Yes, indeed. <laughs> as if by magic.
1: <laughs> that was seamless. Guys. I know. I've got to be honest, I, I'm impressed. So I'm, I'm here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the viewers must be... <gasps> I know, I know. It's, um, yeah, Fee, on, you may as well carry on, I think, if you um, want to talk well, about what just we've to, done. Just to say yeah.
2: that what we've done, um, so when I kind of came on board with Evertrek yeah. way back, whenever it was, when did I come on board? May-ish time, was it? I can't even remember. Anyway. So like you've always been here. It's have like always been here. <laughs> At some point, um, we talked about the fact that we yeah. do get, um, we, we have had a few requests from people and a few, um, people generally who've decided to do this amazing trip of a lifetime, but they've also wanted to raise some money for, for their own, you know, particular charity, whichever cause <laughs> they wanted to. And we were just sort of thinking, well, what can we do? To kind of support that and 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 provide any help that we can, really. Yeah. And with my sort of background in um in in the charity sector, so I've got um a bit of experience working um for various different charities, um locally uh, and nationally uh, as, a, <laughs> as a as a fundraiser. Um, so to say it quietly, so Kevin doesn't rope me into doing fundraising. <laughs> <laughs> See, you. are
1: so, too yeah. modest. you're very experienced. UK expert.
2: <laughs> so we have developed. Um, a fundraising pack, an Evertrek fundraising pack. So it's, um, it's available to support you guys. It's just got some kind of like hints and tips, some legal stuff, some stuff, um, about how to make your donations go further, stuff about gift aid, all that, all that good stuff. Um, a lot of charities will have their own versions of a fundraising pack, um, but we just wanted to have something that we could offer to our to our ever um And that's for whatever charity you want to support. That fundraising support and advice yeah. is there for whichever charity you you choose to support. Um, and I'm obviously available to kind of have a chat with people and talk to people about um, how to maximize their fundraising, really. But, yeah, if you're if you're looking for a charity to support, then we absolutely recommend Brecon Mountain Rescue. So, um, you know, I'd love to speak to anyone who's interested in doing that. And our new pack is available. Is it available now? It
0: is, yeah, yeah. If um, our social Yeti Lauren's out there, Lauren, if you can drop the link into the comments, that would be awesome, um, and then everyone can download that. Yeah, ultimate yep. fundraising have, guide. Have a look yep. at the guide and download yeah. it. Um, Let's yeah, know it's what you live, think. Let's know what you think. Yeah, because mm. it, it's probably some spelling mistakes in there. You know what I like? <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not. That I, I'm sorry, I won't have that is not is, is, no well um, it's quite funny because we've got a couple yeah. of people saying that you've brought um, some organisation to the Tuesday tune thing. so yeah well done mate um, it's nice to have yeah. Um, but yeah um, some really good comments though guys um, just I think Brian um, who's been he's one of our ever trackers he was actually uh, back in March when lockdown hit he was actually stuck in Everest and, but he was raising money for another charity um, I think it was the British Heart Foundation yeah uh, Brian correct me if I'm incorrect on that but uh, he was stuck in Kathmandu for 10 days drinking beer. So he wasn't too, you know, he was <laughs> yeah, happy with that. Was in really
1: no way. Life and death. Um, <laughs> um, but he's actually ex-military as well. Though. I know i yeah. probably almost certainly done a lot of his training on um, in Brecon. And he's actually said um, he just wanted to say well done to the heroes from the Brecon Mountain Rescue. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, so, yeah, yeah he's, um, he's a local legend. I actually had a customer the other day. Brian, you probably know who he is, who, who called and wanted to book a trek with us. And I was yeah. like, oh, hey, okay, cool. How did you find us and stuff? And he was like, I was following a group of you guys last year and we got stuck in Kathmandu together in uh, Hotel Manang. And I went, oh, yeah, um, oh, who was that group? And he went, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and he was called I was like uh, I know Brian and he was like yeah yeah I was with Brian yeah and uh, yeah I want to and he wanted to book so th- thanks Brian we owe you a beer for that one I guess a good ambassador and I think
2: is this the same Brian that's just done some fundraising for the yes, guys yeah he has reporters um, in Nepal as well exactly. raised um raised a bit of money there
0: uh, he's a great bloke he's um yeah so we're doing a little bit of a fundraiser at the moment um we the last couple of lives we've basically we we got our Ever jackets. They're made out in Nepal, but, um, everyone's been buying them and all the profits of those jackets that are going to our guides and staff over Nepal during, you know, yeah. when they got Just their work. During this period, yeah. Which has been awesome. But Brian took it a, a little bit further because you know, he's got plenty of jackets. So he's like, I don't need one. <laughs> but, but he, um, he's been doing some, uh, is it tab? I know it's a military turn. So we, uh, he basically been doing some tough roots in the UK and, and raising heaps of money. I think he got to about £570, which was uh, awesome R- for him. Ramona has said that yeah. it's
1: like watching Good Morning uh, Britain or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll be honest,
1: Ramona... Yeah, you guys are bringing a some so professionalism Yeah, we, yeah we, we, we had to demonstrate this for our guests, Ramona. But um, <laughs> don't worry, normal service will resume and we'll be back at our desks, not going live, <laughs> making the mics from work. <laughs> It'll be fine. I know, we're going to put an impression out to perform. But, speaking um, of Ramona, yeah, yeah. should we... Um, should we back through some just questions? Say yeah, had we've a had question. we've had a lot of questions. Um, yeah, um, some charity related ones, some normal ones. Honestly, you... I'm holding my phone; it's getting hot from Lauren. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, Ramona has asked before I book me and Gaz for EBC. Yeah, what are you worrying about, Ramona? You've done it already. And it's um, one of our customers is uh, Gaz. Would oh Gaz would like to my voice. Um He had a medical uh, meniscus tear. That's the knee. Going to go with neat here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Meniscus, guys, yeah. You guys are well yeah. more right. exactly. yeah, I mean, than I do. You probably had a few meniscus yeah. repairs, yeah. It um, hurts. Operated on in 2013. He can yeah. easily do 10K a day and usually does, uh, but he's concerned about longer distances on the <sighs> EBC return hike. Um I think he's probably going to be more than fine. I think that was a long time ago. If he's done 10K a day since then, he's probably... Yeah. R- repaired most of the damage and built some strength around it. The body's remarkable at compensating for little niggles and things. I would say uh, the return journeys, yeah, they are probably longer than 10K, but not, you know, maybe 13K, 14 on the on the longest days. Yeah. Um, so not crazy more. It's like training for a marathon. You know, you run 18 miles and find the rest on the day. So I would say he's going to be absolutely fine, Ramona. Um, always remember as well, you know, you've got the experience there to let him know about things like pace, hydration, nutrition, You've got the guides and things like that, that are there to rely on as well. So when we can do things like, you know, in the worst case scenario, if he does have a problem, you know, we've got, you know, loads of different ways that we can help it. we got, you know, we can put painkillers in, we can put knee supports on, the guys can help carry a bag if necessary to keep weight off it. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's not, um, the be all on end all. We have had loads of people manage problems. I mean, my dad is 62, played football all his life. His knees are dust. <laughs> um, he can hear bone grinding against bone when he moves, and he did it twice, almost one and three quarters. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> he got to five thousand metres the first time. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Turned around at Le Boucher. Yeah, I mean, he's now a statue, uh, sort of yeah, marking the made, spot. Yeah, right? My
1: father yeah. basically came to EBC <laughs> with us guys and. Uh, um, we call him the, the the sloth. You know, he invented <laughs> mountain pace, you know, taking your time. Yeah. We often say that there's a type of moss that only grows on the back of my dad. <laughs> and um, on the way back down, we bought him a yak bell, uh, just in case we lost him in the mist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he went there with us. And, um, 2017, it
0: was it? 2017.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then in April 2019, me and Andy went back and we erected a cairn for him at the moment where he turned around.
0: Uh, we'll have the banter on the mountains. You yeah, know? But, It all um, helps.
1: Yeah, he he came back and did it the uh, October twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah. He nailed it, right? And he actually made it. Yeah, the, I wanted to have this big grand ceremony for when he walked past his own body, but he um, <laughs> he was
0: so far behind, I didn't <laughs> be bother to wait. <laughs> no, but any anything like that, yeah, it's a good question around any injuries and things, and sort of sort of leads me onto a question for you guys actually in terms of how do you get out and train, or how often do you get out to train? Do you have much time
4: for getting out. Our, our normal routine is we we have a training night like every Wednesday evening. Yeah. Um, We have a a fixed program, so we have these competencies that we have to keep up to date. So some things like basic life support we have to do every six months, Um, some things along the scale. So we don't allow people to go out on the hill unless they've been trained, and unless they keep that training. So one of the things we've had with COVID is a little bit of skill fade, because we've not been Mm, able to train quite so much, but uh, every Wednesday is a normal thing. And then the first Sunday in every month, we do an all-day session. And we just just did that because in an evening, especially in the winter, there's lots of things you can't do. Um, So we try and get out and do stuff on a Sunday as well. Uh, Plus, all the call outs. And we always, at the end of a call out, we always have a debrief where we discuss what happened. Is there anything we could improve on? Mm. um, And things like that. Uh, I think, yeah, uh, during this COVID situation, we've had to modify our training now
3: Mm. to sort of keep uh, our skill levels up but also to work within the guidelines of 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 the COVID regulations and and guidelines, you know. So what we've done now, we we split the team up into four groups. And so we got smaller working groups training. Mm. Um so uh that works well. Uh it can be beneficial working in a smaller group, especially when you you you're training on technical systems so you'll have more hands-on, better Mm. training. Um rather than a, a big large group so it's got its advantages but you tend to miss the camaraderie of, of a bigger group you know especially yeah, on, so a, sure on, a, are, on a Sunday yeah. yeah yeah so it's working we're still training we're still keeping our skill levels up but yeah. we've had to modify due to the Covid situation okay. uh, and most of our we, we also uh, have training online training
4: now as well uh, okay nice so, but, it, but it also means yeah. if, if one person tested positive they've only been around a quarter of the team or a third of the team and that team then that group then isolate and dunk on call-outs for two weeks but it means the rest of the team are still available and when we do have call-outs obviously we can't be called out in these little teams the whole team will be called out though when we had lockdown areas we didn't call the people who are in lockdown areas Mm. Um, but all we do is we just make sure we wear lots of PPE so as soon as you get to a call-out it's gloves mask goggles hat Um, when we get to a casualty. Um, we don't go to the casualty, it's quite strange because we don't yeah, go to the casualty, imagine, yeah. we stop about 20 metres short um, and the people who are going to go to it, to the casualty care, the paramedic, the doctor, ever it might be, um, has to get PPE on before they go to the mm. casualty site. Um, and we try and limit the number of people who go near the casualty. As soon as we get to a casualty, first questions are, and the police normally have asked this question already, yeah. do you have any COVID symptoms? Mm. Um and also, we will then, if, if possible, unless they've got breathing difficulty, we'll be putting masks on on our casualties as well. And it's just it's just trying to limit exposure to each other to the casualty. So it's not just us; it's the casualty, but also yeah. anybody who's with the casualty. Um, and it's just trying to take in the whole situation so that we just work within. Obviously, we've got to go to them; we've got to help them. But it's just trying to limit that. They'll keep the situation manageable. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it must also. be quite different right now. Yeah, because when you get to someone and you can't. It's strange, get yeah. involved. Yeah, you've got to take a step back and okay, and on a, make sure on a cold
4: night, yeah, yeah, getting gloves on, getting mm. PPE on, your goggles messed up because you, you, you're hot. Um, yeah. it, it's, quite, it's quite a strange situation, but um, awesome. but, we, but we're still, and as soon as you get to a yeah. couch, track, you talk to them, you explain to them what's going on, so they're not thinking, Why are they standing over there? Um, so you're explaining why you're doing this. Um, mm. And that's important.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: nice. We have had a question come through from um, John in Brecon. Um, oh. He's actually an associate. We call him the Great Bald Yeti. <laughs> and, um, he comes he up to so my yeah, uh, He lives in Langorse and is very knowledgeable in okay. the area and stuff like that. And um, he wants to know, basically, do you guys use any um, rescue dogs or um, any animals to aid in the search?
4: There's, there's a separate agency called SADA, which is search and rescue dogs. Yeah. Um, okay. Which is sort of, and there's a SADA South Wales. So again, we mentioned there are four teams yeah. scattered yeah. around South Wales. Um, within each team, you get some people who volunteer to train dogs and have dogs. So we've got one and a half, haven't we? So Steve, yeah. Steve, Steve, we've got one dog that is trained. Right. Um, we've had other people who've t- tried to take dogs through training, and the dogs haven't quite got the skills. <laughs> yeah, but the, the lifespan of a search dog is they, they... It takes about 18 months to train them. Yeah. And then by the time they're five or six, they've reached the end of their life. So really? it's only a relatively short period of their lives wow. that they, can, they yeah. can train. So we can call SADA, the Search and Rescue Dog Station, and all the people inside are members of one of the rescue teams. Um, so they know about everything else that's involved. They can't just have a rescue dog and say, I'll come and help. Yeah. Um, but the police have rescue dogs, search dogs... Yeah. Um, if you, if you go, I don't know whether you remember the April Jones situation about several or eight years ago with a little girl up in McComphleth. Oh, yeah, 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 we were heavily involved. Yeah. That We were up there for 10 days overall. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was one of the most, I mean, you, you'd asked mm. earlier about amazing call-outs, that, yeah, the community yeah. of McComphleth that came together and the way they looked after us. Yeah. I mean, we slept in the bowls green f- floor in the leisure <sighs> centre. <laughs> but I've never eaten so much cake in my life. And <laughs> yeah. You'd be eating a bit of cake and then the little girl would come to you with a cupcake and say, I made these for you. So, great, I'm having another cupcake. Thank you very much. <laughs> but there were cadaver dogs came down from Scotland. so yeah. they could There are dogs that can search in water. They sit on a boat and they can smell yeah. in the water. Um, there's a huge amount of dog resources out there. Amazing. Yeah, um, nice. But you know, we, we have yeah. To, when, when there is a search dog out, we have to work in a certain way the, the dog handler will say, "I can search that area." And They can do it much, much faster than we can, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. But we have to make sure where we position ourselves, so we're not the, the dog is not scenting us.
1: Yeah.
4: Um, mm, so it, it often requires a lot more planning to work with a search dog. Yeah. It's remarkable yeah,
3: how intelligent. I think the, the, oh, the situation yeah. on the, the on the circumstances will dictate mm. if a search dog is required. Yeah. Yeah. Because they are such a big asset. Under the right circumstances, mm, yeah. you know. Mm, mm. Um, but once there like Dom said, they've got it's, the situation has got to be managed. Mm. You can't have any searchers, for example, down downwind of the dog dogs, mm. yeah, yeah, they're otherwise they're picking up your scent. Yeah, yeah. uh, search and rescue dogs are air scenting dogs, mm. and uh, that's that's what they that's work how on is the air scent, you know. Yeah, uh, that could be a training
2: program yeah. for yeah. a. Is penny there a particular
4: the, uh, breed? <laughs> Not lurchers. Not lurchers. Not yeah. lurchers. <laughs> Ground scenting dogs. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she's out there chilling out. She <laughs> would be too distracted. Yeah. They're very good. She d- being d- run. <laughs> yeah. 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 Too distracted. We, we had about, oh, several years ago, one of the teams got he's got gun dogs. Um, yeah, yeah. And we we were at a, a garden party and the queen was there and we did we did a demonstration of a search. Nice. Um, and she came to meet us afterwards and the team leader was was walking along the line introducing people and she saw the dog. And she said to the dog, Is that a search dog? And his response to the Queen, mind, was only if he wants looking for sandwiches. Really? <laughs> I was say, you found the Queen on, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> brilliant, guys, brilliant. OK, um, we've got, we got heaps of questions coming in. So we're going to answer some of our sort of regular ones, guys, all right? So uh, um, we've had some in by email. What would be the best clothes to wear for the trip for Everest, apart from a good pair of hiking boots? Dave, I know you're the one with the, the equipment, mate.
1: Yeah, I think that. Um... So what what was it? What was the uh, so, basically I, the best best clothes? It's quite a, other than a pair of hiking boots. What's what's so? What's important a, to it's bring? A lot. <laughs> yeah, I was going yeah, um, to say there's um, I can bring. if you probably if you drop us an email, I'll send you a full kit list as well. Yes, um, yeah, which is probably going to be more beneficial for you. But as a snapshot, I think as a general, uh, my philosophy when I go to base camp or Tanzania or anywhere like that is I like to be prepared for four seasons. That doesn't yeah. mean carrying a huge military burden full of everything that I need. It just means that I've got some layers. Um, you know, that are backed up in there in case the weather turns wet, the weather turns cold. You know, down jackets, waterproof jackets these days, they're very small and light. They don't take up much space or weight in your pack. Um And you do find yourself in the Himalaya particularly, it's very changeable there so it can be really really hot and I've been sunburned whilst yep. tracking through the Himalaya and then a day later it's been like white out snow conditions. And there is a time when that will happen, you know, and it, sometimes it's when you're in the lodge and it doesn't, you know, it's fine. Sometimes it's when you're trekking. Um, and if it is trekking and I've been, you know, trekking like this with a T-shirt on and it suddenly starts to rain or snow or something like that, you're yeah. going to want to keep your core warm and stuff like that. Because um, people do pick up colds and things quite, qu- quite quickly at, uh, at altitude. Um, so just protecting the chest, keeping the chest warm and keeping your body comfortable. Um, so I tend to, because I run quite hot, I tend to like sh- shed layers and then, you know, put them back on and shed them again. Like, like it could be 15 times in a day. You know, nice. I'll put, I put that jacket on and off. Um, so yeah, email in and I'll send you a full, uh, kit list. Um, until then, yeah, think about all four seasons. What if it's hot? What if it's cold? What if it's wet?
0: Um, and what if it's dry? I guess. <laughs> I was
1: going to say, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> I know we've done some lies before, but I think Lauren, if you're on, um, if you're listening, can you put the because I think they're talking about Everest Base Camp there. Uh, we've got a Everest Base Camp kit list. If you drop it in the comments as well, yeah, just in the interim. And it's it's interesting because we're obviously we're talking about um, Brecon Brecken beacons. Um, a lot of the stuff they use on Everest Base Camp, we actually use in the UK anyway. So stuff that you regularly use, it's not too different. The only major things are going to be things that you down jacket because of the cold. Um, although you know you can use some of them here, um, but definitely down and have a look at that um, list because it gives you a bit more insight into it. But otherwise, yeah, just drop us an email yeah. info@avatract.com. Exactly. So, Ian Moore, um, um, yeah. relative? No, he's not. Awesome. Surname's <laughs> so Moore.
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> having just booked our place on EBC. Yeah. Welcome, Ian. Um, uh, with the wife, uh, they talked about their five main concerns, wow, okay. um, which they which they quickly want to run through, and I'll we'll try and quickly answer. I love them. number
0: one, going to the toilet. Yeah, going to the go, obviously mm-hmm.
1: important. Going to the toilet, yeah, very important. Yeah. Make sure you do that. Um, <laughs> get used to going in a hole in the ground. Um, there are a lot of um, porcelain toilets and yeah. sit down toilets yeah. that you're familiar with, but I've never once done a trek um, to Nepal and Everest base camp where I haven't had to use a hole at some point. Yeah. Um, so kind of get used to it. There's certain techniques. Um, not going to demonstrate those now. You'll have to figure it out for yourself. Um, no, but honestly, it's totally fine. Um, you know, it's not, it's not that difficult. It's mostly convenient wherever you are, the yeah. sit down toilets, altitude sickness. Uh, I'll come back to that one if that's okay. Uh, sleeping, sleeping can be a little bit difficult at altitude. Some people have like interruptions with their sleep and breathing and things like that. Diamox can certainly help that if it starts to impede your, your energy levels and your progress on the trip and it becomes a problem. Diamox is something you can rely on for that. Um, Ultimately, the beds are quite basic, quite firm, but they're not outside. Um, So yeah, everything that you need. Washing, disposable wet wipes. But what I tend to do is have like a bag, have a quick wash, put the dirty ones in the bag, zip that evil in there and um, (gasps) take it back down the mountain and dispose it um, in a place where I can do it kind of, you know, ethically. Um, it's something that I'm becoming more and more conscious of doing is like bringing my waste back with me when I'm up there. Um, particularly, you know, since, um, you know, we've been working with charities and Fee's been educating me about all the different <laughs> things. I've got to keep cup now for my coffee, so I don't use <laughs> any other stuff like that. So, um, And, and the there's, lo-
2: there's biodegradable and, um, you know, yeah. wet wipes as well. So if, 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 I think yeah. I saw a conversation um, in the group. I'm sure there's some information about that, about different brands that are kind of biodegradable and exactly. better for yeah. the
1: environment. Exactly, yeah. Um, and the look of flight, the look of flight is awesome. It's one of my highlights of the trip. I know it's one of yours as well. Always, especially when you survive. Um, have you survived all of yours? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I did too. Um, yeah, sometimes they can be delayed. Usually it's by a matter of hours. Um, you're quite high up in the mountain. Sometimes the wind up high can move quite fast. So clouds come in and then they go. Um, and when they're in, the, the, the pilots won't land. A lot of people stress about the delays and yeah. what I, what we usually say is if that's a worry, have an extra day at the end, but also remember that if they're delayed, you don't want to be flying. <laughs> you know, yeah, no exactly. one wants to go up in a condition with a pilot's not happy to land. Um, it's quite an important part. Um, altitude sickness mm. is one of those. I think we could do a whole live on altitude sickness.
0: We have, yeah. We, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the very first one we talked about. Uh, well, we've done heaps of Tuesday tune-ins around um, altitude sickness spe- specifically, but I think, yeah. It, I'm just trying to think now what what the what the main one was, but I think if you have a look at the previous videos, yeah, uh, previous lives, there's heaps on there. I think one specifically was just you actually. Uh, I think I was away somewhere. attitude yeah. training. So what
1: <laughs> essentially you need to stay hydrated. Yeah. is crucially important. It's, it, it's so critical. Um, four to five litres of water a day. Yeah. Squash helps. Tea counts. Um, so yeah, try and get as much fluids in you as you can. Not only because you're exercising a lot when you're trekking. But at altitude, your body will, altitude is like a natural diuretic. So as part of the acclimatization process, your body will dehydrate itself. If you don't replace those lost fluids, um, then it will bring on, your body won't be able to acclimatize further the next day. And it's a kind of a, compounds the issue uh, as it it goes on. Um, Hydration salts and stuff like that are really good to have. Um, And then nutrition, uh, sleep, being honest with yourself. If you are suffering, talk to the guide. Yep. Diamox is an option that you can take if you need to. Um, I think we've got a blog about altitude sickness, so yep. maybe Loza can post it for us. And if you want a detailed conversation, just give us a call.
0: Yeah, nice, mate. Um, okay, another one was from Jim. It's actually it's quite nice, this question, actually. Um, you're constantly answering our questions about the trips. Uh, can I ask you how you are doing as individuals Ban Evertrek as a company? Oh, Jim. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, well, Dave, uh, no, we're, we're doing great, thanks. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a challenging, sort of feels like a longer period, but six months, seven months, whatever it is. Um, but we've been very lucky, uh, you know, in terms of trips. Obviously, we haven't been able to operate our trips, but as a company, we're doing great. Uh, we've managed to take on some more wonderful people, uh, which has been great, um, you know, growing the team, growing our number of trips. Um, also focusing on things like, you know, we, we hadn't, I mean, these things we do every Tuesday tune in, we now do every Tuesday and, you know, they're becoming really popular. Um, you know, we, we didn't do this before this happened because, you know, we, we, we got a little bit more time. Um, and we realized the popularity is kind of, um, you know, still growing. So which is why we continue to do them. Um, but yeah, so it's enabled us to do a few different things. Although, you know, essentially we can't wait to get back to the mm-hmm. mountains. That's, yeah. that's where we belong. Um, you know whether that be our training weekends. You know we we got some in Brecon Beacons in January, February, um, and the summer next year. We can't wait for those. Your fingers crossed. But essentially, yeah, our trips to Nepal, our trips to Tanzania, our trips to Peru, Morocco. um, Yeah, we we want to get back as soon as uh, as soon as you guys because you know we're we're trekkers and climbers like you, and we want to get out there. So yeah, as soon as it's safe to do so, we're allowed. Yeah, we're off. Let's 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 get our bags. Let's go. <laughs> so yeah, but we're doing fine, aren't we? Yeah, keep
4: it. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, fine, oh, yeah. Well,
1: you know, can't complain. A yeah. lot of people have it a lot worse. I'm quite yeah. happy to be doing what I'm doing, and um, yeah, all good. Well, v, are you well, okay? We're, we're I was going to say, we're quite yeah. well, aren't we? Exactly. Mr. Cam- yeah, that's Mr. Yeah. Cameraman, that's you're good too.
2: Thing. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, he's thumbs up to <laughs> Mr. Thumbs cameraman.
0: cameraman. <laughs> ah, wicked. Um, right, we've got a few more questions. Um, Ali's asked, actually. Ali's in there, mentions and one for you guys. How can people get involved, volunteer with, with Brecken Mountain Rescue? I
2: suppose, do you need volunteers is yeah, the first yeah. question. I, I know, yeah, do you need, need more or. volunteers? And and is it something that, that people can get involved in? Or are you
4: we, we have a, <laughs> um, a team of about 60, and yeah. that's where we come from. It's as big as our base will allow us to train in, um, mm. and, it, and for us to manage those people. Yeah. Uh, so we do have a recruitment every when we need it really so if yeah. people start if people move away or you know, family yeah. and they, there's all sorts of reasons why people leave we then look to recruit more people um, what I would say is if you are interested we've got a website and you can put your details on that and then we when we do have a recruitment um, okay. we will we'll, we'll get in contact yeah, but what the basic deep. the way the team works is if you show an interest, you're invited to uh, initiate... Oh, Initiation the wrong word,
3: isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you're invited formal. to a formal,
4: <laughs> formal presentation about the team so that people yeah. understand, because not everybody understands what mountain rescue means. The commitment, yeah. Um, the commitment, the fact that you go out in all weathers and at all times of day mm. and night, and that you need, as Kev mentioned, your family on board um, and employers yeah. on board as well. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's, all, it's all important. And, and So that people don't come into it with the wrong mm. ideas of what it is where they then go out on a, a night navigation exercise and we check that people can navigate yeah. um, because that's not something we teach. We teach mm-hmm. you enhanced skills about that, but that's a basic thing. And then if they get through that, they have a six to nine month probationary period where they're taught about... They're not eligible to go on call-outs, so they have to understand how everything works, how the technical yeah. system works, how the team works, mm. and then they do a little practical and a little exam and then they're available wow. to, allowed to go out and yeah. call out. So the idea being, if their first call out is a, is a, is a challenging one, they know not, they yeah. know what to do they're and we don't scare people. Yeah. And the yeah, people are prepared mean. and know how to look
1: after themselves. Fantastic. You see right. the, the night navigation, if yeah. you ever had to rescue a trainee? Ooh. We go
4: with them on the night. <laughs> night. We don't oh, okay. just let yeah. <laughs> them So you don't just drop them off <laughs> no. and say, right, guys, if you get
1: back, you win.
4: If not, <laughs> <laughs> No, there, there is a team that goes with them because fair they're... Fair. they're, they're it's, I mean, it's not designed to scare people. It's just yeah, yeah. checking for competency. Very like. And how they react to situations, <laughs> I suppose, as well, right? I, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, I think it's, it's a, one of the common questions we get, you know, somebody comes up and says, how do I join Mountain Rescue, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah, So the best advice is that if anybody wants to join a Mountain Rescue team, they do their own little bit of research into that particular team. Mm. Yeah. And every team has got his own website, And it'll give you information on how busy that team is, how many call-outs they're likely to have per year, how often they train, um, what other activities you may be expected to get involved with, such as fundraising, etc. And that will give you an insight of what how much commitment um yeah. is required. Yeah, okay. you good, know. Good and alongside that is is the important thing. Then you you need to speak to your family and say, well, look, yeah. I'm interested in this, but this is this it? is what yeah. the commitment is looking like. Yeah. Mm. So uh, that's that's generally the, your first step. Yeah. Um, because as Dom mentioned, uh, our first step is when people put the application form in, uh, we have an informal presentation for them, and there will be a number of people that will sit through that presentation and they'll have the opportunity to ask questions. Yeah. But quite a few will realize that it, there's more commitment required mm. than they thought. So they may, they may think, well, mm. I can't do it now. Maybe I'll come back in a year or so. Mm. And nice. I've settled, yes. you know. Fantastic. So do a little bit of your own mm. research first yeah. and you'll have a better insight. It's, all, required.
4: It's, it's also quite it's useful to look at where the teams are located. Yeah. So we're based in Brecon itself. Yeah. There's one team based in Merthyr. There's another team based very near Abergavenny. and there's another team based near Bridge End. Yeah. So look at the team that is nearest you, because it can be very frustrating if you want to go on a call out. By the time you get there, because you've driven for an hour, mm. it's all been done. The helicopter's flown away, and everybody's because walking back there. down. Yeah. Um, so that, that's <laughs> important. Look at look at where your location mm. is, and yeah. if you live in Cardiff. You have to be aware that yeah. you're not going to be the first on the scene, um, that you're going to be, I mean, I live 25 miles from Brecon. I know very well, and by the time I get to a call out, I'm going to be carrying a stretcher up and all the extra stuff because a hasty party will go, have gone up yeah. and be already with the casualty. And you need to accept that you're not, you're not going to be the centre of it. Mm. And, and you also need to understand that it, it is 100% teamwork. Anybody with an ego lasts no time at all. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah. it's um, not it's not for that type no. of individual, I suppose. Yeah, and you have to be willing sometimes to make the tea. Yeah, you know, if you mm. that, yeah. That, that's just as an important a job important so when everyone job? comes back down or from having a, have a, a tea and coffee.
1: coffee. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. <For> sixty goes. <laughs> 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 bloody hell! Yeah,
0: no, no, great stuff. Awesome. Um, couple more questions, Dave. I I know we uh, we were looking at it then, but which is which is awesome question. I got to be honest. Uh, it's from Lee Stevenson. Asked over the next three to five years, I plan on doing Killy. Everspace Camp, Island Peak, Merah Peak, Pisang Peak, and Aconcagua. Wow. wow. Going to be busy. Good lift. My um, question is, what order would you do them and why? Um, and also, do you do Albrecht? Um wow. David, what would you do first, mate?
1: Or <laughs> <laughs> last? I think I'd do Aconcagua last because it's, yeah, yeah. it's the biggest. Yeah. So naturally, you're going to be working up in altitude towards a mountain that's nearly <clears throat> 7,000 metres. So Aconcagua the highest mountain outside of the Himalaya. So, you know, you're, you're flirting with, you know... You're nearly 7,000 meters and it's not not far above that on Everest where you'd be thinking about supplemental oxygen. So I'd probably use that last and build the experience of all those other peaks um, into my Aconcagua challenge. Um, With regards to the other order, to be honest, you can do, I mean, it's possible to do Island Peak and Peak in a a single 30-day sort of um, expedition. We've done it uh, for one of our guys before. Um... I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably think of it in terms of like the altitude gradient. So I'd start at around Island Peak in the Everest region. You can combine it with an Everest base camp trip yeah. um, and stuff like that. Then you can do Mera, or, or, sorry, Pisang and then Mera. Um, and then ultimately put that Himalayan peak climbing experience to use over in um, Argentina when you go up um, Aconcagua. Yeah. I think Elbrus, yeah, it's definitely on the cards. Um, so it takes time for us to actually roll out a new trip. Um, largely because there's a phenomenal amount of work that goes into sort of, you know, uh, not only on the ground in country, but also here in the office, making sure that it's a, it's an, it's ever-trackified. Um, if we wanted to, we could open up, you know, 10 peaks in 10 days. You know, we could it, it's just a matter of putting them on the website and <coughs> selling them, but that's not how we normally do it. So normally we, you know, we visit the country, we do the trip ourselves, we learn from it, we speak yep. to lots of experienced people, we got to get the right guides together, the right team even as far as, you know, the, be- the best teams, the best companies attract the best porters and things like that. So it really does start at the ground level and we-, we build the product up. So we know when you go on there, we've done all the heavy lifting, so to speak. So you can just enjoy it, yeah. do the challenge, get to the summit safely, get back down safely. Um, and, you know, all those little nitty gritty worries that plague sort of other expeditions. You don't even you're not even aware of them. Um, so nice. yeah, just a little bit of background, but, uh, trying to say a question, yes, we will be doing Albus at some point, but nice. that's why it's not up there at the moment. But Aconcagua, yeah. um, pretty much, pretty much launched, isn't it? You know? There
0: is launched, yeah, you can book yeah. onto that. We've got dates, I mean, at the end of, uh, next year, um, we've got one particular date there, and then we've got Never Expedition in early 2022. So yeah, we, we keep relatively small teams on Aconcagua because it's quite niche, Yeah, mm. you know, it's, um, you know, we're talking less than six people. Um, because it's you know better chance success smaller team works together yeah um, and with the type of trip it is as well you know we want to keep it a small team so yeah if you're interested yeah, should definitely. mention
1: Pisang as well um, yeah. we do do Pisang Peak we can pretty much do any of the of the of the Himalayan peaks um, we can mainly you know uh, Mera and Island attract the largest numbers so you know Pisang yeah. is not you know up front in its sort of you know it's not that popular is it Pisang Peak. No, but it's, great it's, it's, it's a great ma- name. Lo- maybe
2: it's the name. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You've
1: got Pisang Lobuche. Mm. You know, they're two that perhaps may um, yeah. attract smaller numbers. Mm. Um, but you know, we can definitely do them. So, um, yeah. Lee, drop us an email. Let's
0: talk about it. Yeah, great question. I'll move on quickly to another one. Priscilla has asked, um, "Can you fly drones in Nepal? Uh, on the way to EBC or in Namchi Bazaar?" Unfortunately, no. We um, they banned it about four or five years ago uh, because there was a few accidents there. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, unless you're, you've you got a specialist license, um, you know, you're talking uh, documentary style, it's very expensive, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which you've got to apply for to the um, Nepalese government. You're not allowed any form of uh, drone um, vehicle, unfortunately. To do with the helicopters,
1: basically. Yeah. Helicopters in the Himalaya are like taxis because, <clears throat> you know, it, it's not like a, an air ambulance, so to speak. It's designed to get you from A to B. Incredibly quickly, so they they arrive when they're called. So you can't yeah. schedule them. So when you do want to fly a drone, although it seems simple, just pop, pop it up in the air, um, actually you don't know when the next chopper going to come. Exactly, they can yeah. come out the mist out of nowhere. Um, so yeah,
0: we um, you can't do it. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Right, <clears throat> well, any other questions, Dave? I know we've had heaps today, but Have I'm conscious think? of time. Um, any other questions? Uh, we there? have a
1: question for my thing. I think this is Mum of Jen and Mum of lot oh, okay. uh, from Bernice Carter. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Yes, um, okay. I, I don't know whether she's taking the Mickey at me or not, but I'm going to put it out No, there. no, I, I've seen them this real. Okay, guys, okay, this is for you, but I just <laughs> want to vet it first. It's um, scaring us now. So, uh, uh, so Jetpacks. Are you guys trained in jetpack rescues? Because, <laughs> That's um, the future.
3: You've, no, no. We're looking for some volunteers.
1: Yeah.
4: yeah,
3: exactly.
4: yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that hasn't just, one of the founders yeah. of jetpack just killed himself with a jetpack? Oh god, has yeah, he? It, yeah. Entirely um, close. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah,
1: you can imagine, deployed the jetpack. Can we deploy the cadaver dog to go and find the jetpack guy? <laughs> gosh. I
4: mean, if you go back to drones, we've started using a drone. Yeah. Oh yeah. really. Oh wow. Well, um, awesome. But the limitation, we're only allowed to, it's only allowed to go 500, we have permissions for the National Park and so on, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's only allowed <coughs> to go 500 metres from the location of the drone pilot, um, which is quite limited, but in mm. theory, it's very, very good for searching an area, yeah. and we've yep. got um, voice-activated one, so it can actually talk very loudly to a casualty from the wow. air above, it can light a scene, yeah, yeah. in theory, we're looking at in the future, could it take a uh, defibrillator to a casualty. Wow. could it take? Um, could it take drugs? You know, yeah. I mean, we're allowed to use morphine, but we have to be very, very careful sure. in how we use morphine. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's a possibility for us, but the only snag is the Brecon Beacons. It's quite windy. <coughs> um, we ha- we have been in partnership with Leicester University for the last few years. They've been some PhD students have been desi- designing a drone, especially uh, for us, for us to test. Um, it did arrive, and it's about this sort of size. It's absolutely massive. <laughs> yeah. Um but it, it it's it's something mountain rescue in general are are looking at as, as a way to carry yeah. stuff yeah, and to really search for people. That's awesome. Um
1: Deborah Burgess has asked, can we hire Down coats on EBC Trek? And yeah. are there any other things that you would say to hire instead? So when it comes to down jackets, actually if you want a jacket that provides you with um the most warmth, including heart warming,
4: <laughs> we are so we are
1: selling um the, uh, the Evertrek the Down jackets, which are all the proceeds of those sales all the profits yep. go directly to our, our uh, team in Nepal to mm. support those guys during yep. the COVID so um, rather than sort of paying to hire one you might consider one of those um, but you can hire pretty much anything you want over in the, the destinations. I normally stick to the ancillary items like poles, water bottle, yep. you know a cool beanie I find or something like that but to be honest the majority of the stuff you want to be familiar with and know that it works for you um, I've I've bought some you know insulated sort of base layers on budget and when I put them on they're rubbish you sweat it keeps you cold you know so try out your kit become familiar with it and to be honest mm. take it with you if yeah. you're going to rent stuff poles stuff like that but the Evertrack down jackets I hear are the um, the best for keeping your heart warm I
0: understand they that. are absolutely yeah. certified yeah, yeah so <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. they do actually say on there but yeah you can um, Lauren if you can drop the link again into the comments that would be awesome um just if you do want to grab yourself one of those jackets um and yeah i mean we're we're obviously trying to speed up the delivery though as much as we can um but it's taking a little bit longer than planned just because of the uh our good friend covid um and travel restrictions at the moment but yeah we're we're hoping to get some out as soon as we can um yeah a couple more coming through um crampons needed <coughs> excuse me a crampons needed for crossing chola pass um not really no so chola pass on the everest base camp route via um, Gokyo Valley as uh, one of the routes that we do. And uh, it does, it's very changeable. I mean, if you go in at certain times of the year, you're talking maybe February, even in November, actually sometimes March, um, there might be some snowfall there. Um, and it is very icy. You don't necessarily have to take um, uh, sort of crampons with you because you can actually hire or use them locally. Um, and actually, I know that we've had some instances where it has become needed, and we've 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 got them locally, but they haven't yeah. been crampons; they're just studs, right? Yeah, so yeah, they're, yeah.
1: they're like the um, uh, you know, what do they call it? Like one size fits all, like yeah, chain. They're not really chain crampons. Grips. Yeah, they're not yeah. like technical crampons with the yeah. spikes and stuff. Because you don't really need it. If you need, if you actually do need crampons <coughs> to go over chola, then. It, it no longer becomes a sort of um, a safe thing to do, to be honest with you, because yeah. it, it, the, the snowpack on the high passes can be really, you know, quite difficult and it's rescue we have to think about. So, yeah, but, you know, snow's fine and it's doable. Yeah, yeah. we had those, um, yeah, like the grips. Micro spikes. That's it, micro spikes yeah. uh, that fit around a normal hiking boot. The guides yeah. provide them, you don't have to worry about it. I'd say 99 times out of 100, they're not going to be needed. Just a hiking boot is all you're yeah. going to
0: need to get over there. Yeah, nice. Um, well, look, guys, we're going we're gonna to round it up today. But, yeah, obviously, huge thanks to gents for coming in, um, answering Thank our questions. Guy. And, you know, we're super excited to be, uh, obviously, supporting you guys. Um, you know, so, yeah, we're really, really happy with that. And just to go back to the fundraising guide, mm-hmm. um, yeah, if you are, um, you know, if you are looking at fundraising for any particular um, charity, but obviously if you're fundraising for the guys as well, then definitely have a look at that guide because it's got heaps of things to use. Yep. Um, anything else before we finish, Fee?
2: I think that's it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if anyone who wants to yeah. chat about fundraising generally, yeah. or to find out a bit more um, about how they can do that, how they can raise some money for their yeah. chosen charity, then then do give us a shout. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, we've had some lo- lovely comments from people um, about you guys have, yeah. at, at um, Mountain Rescue. So um, if people have been inspired to kind of get involved, you know, and the thing with fundraising, I would say as well is. Um, you know, it is that every every little count. So if someone's thinking like, oh, I don't really think I could do anything big. I couldn't raise like thousands and thousands of pounds. Like I'm sure it would be it would all be appreciated. So, you know, you can just do something small, raise a little bit of money um, and I'm sure it'd be appreciated by these guys. So um, yeah. do get in touch if that's something you'd like to do.
0: Lovely.
1: Yeah. Dave? <laughs> yeah, I think we'll have to pop up and see... Uh... Kevin Dom at some point in the uh, life of the, light
3: the yeah, year. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just a thank you to Ever Trek, uh, and yeah. Mountain yeah. Rescue Team. I very appreciated for for your support on this, and also yeah. big thanks to all your followers who listened in yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> some interesting questions there. Yeah, uh, yeah. thanks yeah. all for your anticipated support, and I must say it's the best cup of coffee. I've <laughs> had, uh, I'm good because
0: I like coffee. Yeah. yeah, I was like, right, I've got to have decent coffee. Yeah. No. Cheers, guys. No. All, right, all right, we'll we'll uh, we'll sign it off, yeah. But it thanks off. very much. All the best, guys. Right. Cheers.
3: Bye.
0: Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, it was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I hope yeah. you enjoyed it.
1: I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, and
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate, thanks. Now, if, uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know all these uh, podcasts we put together the episodes trying to reach as many people as possible and if it's helped you leave us a lovely review Um, and yeah we'll see you again next week yeah all the best guys bye